Have you ever had an irrational craving for a certain type of food? Yes, I heard someone say yes. Yeah, you maybe you can't get that image of a Chick-fil-A sandwich out of your head. <laughs> or you want nothing but a pint of ice cream and a Netflix binge. Or, I don't know, maybe you crave something kind of weird. Um, maybe, maybe you really crave <clears throat> peas, which to me kind of look and taste like little green alien eggs. Just <laughs> weird. But maybe, maybe you crave them. One, one irrational craving, I'll admit, that I usually have is, is for really spicy food that, that kind of makes my mouth salivate even thinking about it. Uh, that kind of spiciness that is so strong, it covers the actual flavor of the food. It, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, last time my wife and I went out to eat, um, you know, I, I had every intention of just getting a nice burger. And then I saw a picture of a Nashville hot chicken sandwich on the menu. <laughs> I instantly craved it. Had to happen. I never had Nashville hot chicken before. I ate it, knowing full well what was going to happen to me. Uh, as I scarfed it down, Jennifer looked across the table and said, you're, you're dripping water from your chin. Is that sweat? What's wrong with you? Nothing was wrong. Everything was just right. And the sandwich was, was so bad, but so good and so worth it. I think you know what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to food cravings. We all have them. Maybe they're weird. Today, I want to take your crazy cravings for food and let God show you how you have those same kind of cravings for hope. You were born again into a living hope. And now you crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. That's how you satisfy hope cravings. Feast on God's word. And Peter, right at the end of this chapter here, chapter 1, he's actually kind of taking us back to the beginning of his letter, First Peter. And he's bringing us back to that thought of God and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. You're born again. You're, you're given new life when God awoke faith in your heart. And that's, that's what Peter's talking about here when he says, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Peter's talking about faith here. Uh, I know it doesn't really look that way, that word obedience is maybe a little confusing. Um, but Peter, and even Paul, in their letters, uh, it's pretty clear that when they talk about obeying the truth, uh, they're talking about believing, or having faith. And this kind of makes sense, too, when you look at, okay, what, what are they obeying? They're obeying the truth, not, not obey a law, obey the truth. And in Scripture, truth is often correlated with the gospel message. Jesus shed his precious blood to save us from our sins. He rose from the dead to assure us of heaven. That's the gospel. So essentially, Peter is saying, we have purified our souls by believing in the gospel truth 
of Jesus. Your new birth, it also maybe helps you understand this purification Peter's talking about. Um, purification is talked about as something with an immediate result and also an ongoing action. So, right, you are already right now purified by faith in Jesus as your Redeemer, the one who paid the price for your sins. It's already done. You're purified. It's also something, a purification process that happens as, as we continue to live as born-again Christians. And this, this purification, uh, it can show itself in the way that we treat other people. Because we've been born again by faith, we have love for other people. We crave to show people love. Uh, Peter said, you have sincere love for each other. Sincere love. This is, this is genuine. It's, it's from the heart. Not just the external kindness that you might have which covers up how you really feel about someone. Because you've been born again, you have the capacity to love other people like they're a brother or sister. And when Peter writes his letter, here he's, he's writing to groups of believers. So, yeah, we're going to love all people, but we especially want to show love to the family of believers in Jesus. Because we're family. We, we're there to comfort one another in, in hard times. We've got each other's backs. And, yeah, sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. Uh, that happens in most families. But that family bond runs deep. So we're, we're patient with each other. We take each other's words and actions in the kindest way we can. And just think about it. There's going to be enough trouble that comes up in this life as it is. Why add even more distress by driving a wedge between yourself and someone else? How's that going to make your life any easier? It will do the opposite. But when we show love, although it's not always easy, it will make your life easier, less stressful in the long run. Catch how Peter talks about it here. He says, you have sincere love for each other. Here's the command now. Love one another deeply from the heart. Right, Peter, he's saying, because you are born again, because you have faith, you already possess love for each other. You already have it. Just show it. Here we're taking a, a good intention and turning, turning it into action. We already have love for each other as family. Let's show that. You can have and show this kind of love. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Uh, with these words, Peter launches into an explanation of the instrument God uses to give you new birth. We're born again of imperishable seed. Imperishable means not dying. And the seed in this context is the word of God. It's imperishable. It doesn't die. It's living and enduring. Now, seeds usually are perishable. 
they have a limited use. Um, once that, that plant sprouts up, the seed is essentially gone. Uh, once the, the, the plant has its own roots and leaves, the seed's no longer needed. But that's not how God's Word works. It's alive. It's always working. It's, it's always off creating faith and even more other people's hearts once it's done with us. It's, I guess you could say, a renewable energy source kind of seed. And, and Peter, he kind of ties things in with that quote from Isaiah chapter 40 that we read earlier, the one uh, about how all people are like grass or uh, the flowers of the field. That's a pretty, pretty uh, vivid description of human life, right? It's, it's here, it springs up quick, and like a flower, it can be full of beauty. But even the most beautiful flower fades. The strongest grass withers. But the word of our Lord gives us living hope, an inheritance in heaven. No fading like flowers there. And while, while the, the generations of this world come and go, the word of the Lord endures through it all. We've got something important to pass down to our children. Something with staying power. God traces his promises all the way from that first promise of a Savior in the Garden of Eden, all the way up to the cross, the empty tomb, and beyond. Those promises, they come into play for you just as much as they did for Peter, for Abraham, for Adam and Eve. And yeah, it might sometimes seem like God takes a long time to fulfill his promises. But you don't have to worry. Those promises endure. God's not going to change his mind about those promises. He's not going to revoke them. Those promises are his word. And the word of the Lord endures forever. So we've established God's word in the Bible is the starting point for our new birth, that seed which creates new faith. God's word is also the food we crave now that we have been born again. We're born hungry for God's word. One word we didn't really maybe touch on a lot yet, God's word is living. It's not just dead words on a page. It is life-giving word. It is faith-creating word. It, it's the, the source of your new life and your new life's guide. The word is relevant. It wasn't just for the people that Peter was writing to. It creates and strengthens faith for you, too. Maybe the, the best Part of all this, about this word, is that it is God's. God claims it. This wasn't just Peter writing his ideas. It was him writing the word of God. This, this word isn't just a bunch of opinions uh, a group of old bearded guys wrote down. It is God's word. Peter says, this is the word. The, the good news that was preached to you. 
uh, Peter assures us that what he's writing here in his letter, it's totally in line. It is God's word, that same enduring word that God has, has given since the beginning. It wasn't Peter's word, it was God's word. And that's the same way it works today. Um, this isn't the, the come and hear what Eric Melso has to say about life hour. Worship is all about coming to hear what God has to say about life and eternal life. We're born hungry for God's word. And our new birth allows us to, to satisfy hope cravings with this word. Now, Peter does tell us to watch out for some other cravings that might try to creep in on our lives. He says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Five things, there are five words. All five of these words could be probably defined or summarized as bad cravings. Uh, the kind of cravings we need, we need to kick out of our lives. But that's pretty hard to do. Uh, these, these cravings here, they tend to be addictive. And, and they wage war against your good cravings for God's word. We'll look at them a little bit here. Uh, first, we should talk about the addictive nature of malice. Uh, maybe not a word that you use all that often. Malice is a mean-spirited or a vicious attitude. Um, I know this isn't how you use this phrase, but you can think of malice as haters gonna hate. And, you know, the more bitter we are toward people, the more bitter we will continue to be toward other people. And, you know, you think, why, why is it that we love to hate and complain about stuff? Well, that's our sinful nature at work in us. And I think we have to be especially careful of malice in these politically charged times we find ourselves in. You, you watch the news, you, you read the paper, and you just see so much hatred and lack of patience between people holding to different viewpoints. And, and I'm not saying don't have values. Please have them, and even better, have them line up with God's word. But... Don't let malice get the upper hand. Always let love be the initial reaction. Love people, even if you don't agree with them. This is really hard to do. Get rid of malice. Next we have deceit. Uh, this one's maybe more addictive than you might think. There's a certain rush that comes with trying to cover something up. We get kind of weird, sinful cravings for trying to do something and get away with it without anyone else knowing about it. This excites our sinful nature. Don't, don't play around with this one. Get rid of deceit. Hypocrisy. This, this is uh, saying something but doing another thing. Um, this one could be habit forming too. We might get really good at, at talking a big game but not following through. Or, or claiming to be someone and then turning around and showing we're, we're someone we didn't claim to be. Okay, get rid of hypocrisy. Envy. This one can be insatiable. 
we get jealous and start wanting things we don't have, even things we, we shouldn't have, things that belong to someone else. We might crave the house, the car, the income, the relationship that others have and we don't. This one can be pretty addictive. Get rid of envy. And then we got slander. Oh, we, we all love to hear the juiciest gossip out there. And when, when you see a little group of people talking under their breath and kind of looking up at someone else, you know they're not saying anything nice. Sally, there's, there's always a, a part of us that kind of wants to lean in and hear what they have to say. Get rid of slander. Getting rid of these, these cravings is very difficult. They, they like to cling to us and not shake free when we try to get them off. And, and maybe you worry that your sinful nature is just stronger than your new life in Christ. Maybe you, you wonder, is, is my sinful nature winning the battle for my soul? Don't let your sinful nature trick you into thinking that. You've been purified. You've been purified by the blood of Jesus that covers every craving, every sin, gives you forgiveness. It's done. Yeah, you're still going to have these daily struggles, this battle against your sinful cravings, but Jesus already won the war. You already are born again to a new life. Jesus already gives you forgiveness to cover those sinful cravings that continue to creep into your life. Continue to look to God's promises of His love. Jesus satisfies your cravings for forgiveness. Because you are born again, you now don't have your ultimate craving be for sin. Now your ultimate craving, it is for God's word. Look at what Peter says, right? Like newborn babies, you crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And, okay, yeah. First of all, we hear those words and might think, hold on. Is God calling me a baby? Yes, he is. In the best way. Uh, a baby a baby trusts its mother for food, right? Uh, the baby has to trust that mother to provide that milk it needs because the baby, newborn, is totally helpless on its own. So we trust God to give us the hope and the forgiveness that we need. We know we, we can't get rid of our sin problem on our own. We know Jesus got rid of those cravings and that sin for us on the cross. God can satisfy your hope cravings with his word. And like newborn babies, we crave that word. That word milk, that spiritual pure milk of God's word. Like a newborn baby, it's all we want. And it's all we need. 
we're born hungry for God's word. And I have to get a little plug in here for worship. Uh, this is this is why coming to worship regularly can be very helpful. Um, you know, you, you can feed yourself without coming to church. When you do come, it's kind of like you just get like a double portion of this craving that gets satisfied. And it's kind of cool. You, you get to come here and enjoy this word together as a family. You get to encourage one another. And, and you can still go home and, and during the week digest and read God's word on your own. It will be worth your time. You will grow up in your salvation. You notice how Peter talks about that? He says, you're already in your salvation. You're already saved by Jesus. When you study and read and hear God's word, you're just going to continue to strengthen your hope in that salvation that's already yours. And this doesn't happen overnight. Just like with babies, they, it takes years for them to, to grow up um, lots of healthy diet and nutrition before they get bigger and stronger. It's the same for us. Um, God's word, daily getting into it, is going to slowly but surely strengthen you in your faith and the hope of your salvation. It's okay to give it time. As you get in God's word, your hope will rise. God satisfies your hope cravings. You've tasted that the Lord is good. He gave you new, new birth by faith. He gives you freedom from sin with the blood of Jesus. He gives you an assurance of heaven with the resurrection of Jesus. There's more where that came from. Trust God to give you blessings in His Word. Satisfy your hope cravings right here. Amen.